Open your copy of God's Word to Philippians chapter 2. Continuing our walk through this chapter, we're at verses 12 and 13. A section on working out your salvation. I don't know if anybody, has anybody ever come up to you and told you, work out your salvation? I've never had anybody exhort me that way, other than the Apostle Paul, and it wasn't face to face, you know. Um, but I've had similar uh, things like uh, mom and dad saying, son, uh, I don't know how to do that new math stuff. You have to work it out. Work out your own math problems. Work out your own math facts. You've got to figure it out. Um, work out your own strategy for living. Work out your own diet plan. Everybody's different. Everybody's different size, different genetics, different bone structure, different weight. Uh, you just got to work it out. I, I think it involves moving more and eating less or one or the other, but you're going to have to work it out. I can't do it for you. I mean, we say stuff like that. You got to work out your own stuff. Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul says, work out your salvation. Let's look at it. Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul was in prison. He wasn't a present pastor. Used to be their pastor, there in person. And now he says, when I was there, you were doing good. You were working it out. You were obedient. You were following my example. You were listening to the words of Scripture. But I'm kind of tied up right now. I'm in jail. And I can't be there with you. Work it out. You have to do it now yourself without me. We're all in those situations at times where it's, there's nobody around us that are really coming to our aid to stimulate us, to encourage us, to prod us along. We got to work it out. We got to do it ourselves. You've all probably had devotional times where, you know, you, you were doing real good for a while. Every day of the week, you read your Bible, you had a little prayer time, you moved on, and then you got sick, or you got real tired, or you got real busy, and you missed a day. And before long, you missed another day. And you just didn't have anybody around you that knew that's what was going on. And so you quit for a while, and you had to work it out. You had to get to that place to say, this is, this is not acceptable. I've got to figure out how to get back to where I was. I need more time with God. I need more time in His Word. I need more time in prayer. Work it out. We have those times. We need to hear the exhortation. Can't depend on somebody else always being there. We have this individual responsibility to work out our salvation. Paul is giving us that here, and I want us to look at it. There's an instruction for how to do it, and there's an incentive in this text for doing it. So let's look at both the instruction and the incentive. All right, first of all, the instruction. He begins by saying, you know, in my absence, much more in 
my absence. Christ has provided for you, and he's provided for me. I'm, I'm not going to go back and spend a lot of time, verse 1 of chapter 2, all the way down through verse 11. We've had it in like three different scenarios. That Christ has provided this salvific life that we're supposed to be living. We're supposed to be harmonious. We're supposed to be humble. And we're supposed to be helpful just like Christ was harmonious, humble, and helpful. And we've seen that over and over in the first part of chapter 2. And now he says, so work it out. It's been provided what it is you need to do. You don't have to guess. You've got situations in your life where you need to be harmonious like Christ. You need to be humble like Christ. You need to be helpful like Christ. Let's work that out. Um, you're not going to always have a preacher, teacher, disciple, or somebody, friend beside you that's going to prod you along. We have to exercise obedience. It's the proof of our salvation. We are saved People can see because we're like Christ in harmony and humility and helpfulness. There are other people who are not like that. We are working it out. If we've already been saved, prove it by your obedience. Don't wait for me to have to show up and tell you to do it again. Get it done. Um, the tendency sometimes is to grow slack Feel the responsibility to grow beyond that slack time. Um, so how is it with you? Take the moment right here to evaluate. How am I doing? Is there somebody that I, I have a relationship with? Maybe a family member. Maybe a spouse. Maybe distant relative. Maybe a neighbor, friend. I need to be working out harmony with them. I'm letting it just kind of simmer. I'm not doing anything. Or there's somebody that I'm not using my spiritual gifts. I'm not humbly submitting to Christ, the church, and these people, and, and using the gifts God's given me to minister. This text saying, work it out. You have a responsibility. Uh, somebody just needs a service. I know they need it. Other people, they're not doing it. I need to work it out. I got to get over there and I've got to do something for those people. God gives us this exhortation to work out our salvation. Um, remember back chapter 1 verse 27 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come to see you or am absent. Well, he's absent. I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit, one mind, striving side by side. I like that. There, there is a situation where we as a church, we're doing this together. We, we don't do it individually, and yet there's this individual responsibility. We need to be working it out whether anybody else is or not. But since we are a body of believers there are others that are doing it. And we get to stand side by side with them and work out our salvation together. We get to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. He says, that's, that's all I'm asking. And it's, that's, that's, see, that's what we want to do. So say, like, 
Good. You're not asking something I don't want to do. You're just encouraging me to do what I already know I need to do. Um, the point, I guess I'm trying to say, don't be completely dependent on other people. Yes, there's a certain measure of dependence we have to walk side by side and be with one another. But let's not be so dependent that we neglect our individual obedience. Uh, growing slack in sin, it's never optional. Um, how do you do that? How do you just, whether the preacher's present or absent, how do you just keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on being obedient? And I pondered that question a little bit just to have something to say up here. Uh, what if that's the, the question to me? David, how do I just keep on? Because I, I seem to fall back. Well, the two things that come to me is church service and small groups. Just We have got to get the mindset that being with the body of Christ is not optional. It's just not. If it's not optional, then you're side by side with the people that will encourage and strengthen you and you will be obedient. You'll see it when you're around people. You'll be encouraged when you talk to people if those people are the body of Christ. So just create the mindset that church service is never optional. You don't go to a game that stays up till 1, 2 in the morning and you, you have to wake up on Sunday morning. Do I go to church or not? No, you, you just don't ever do that. You wake up and say, it's not optional. I'll go sleepy. I'll go messy, but I'll go. It's not optional. Or the same thing happens to my small group uh, of believers. They say, well, they won't miss me. I just don't feel like it tonight. Just take that off the table and say, that's not optional. Whether somebody's going to be there or not, whether they're present or absent, whether they're even the Apostle Paul, it's my responsibility to work out my salvation. And I'm going to do it. So those two things have worked for me all through my life. My, my folks just made it clear early on, the Sabbath day was not optional. Do all kinds of things throughout the week, but when Sunday rolled around, it was not optional. We knew what we were doing. We were going to be in the house of God with God's people. When Dad took that off the table one time, and I still remember it, we were moving from one house to the next, and we, we got to move in truck, we got to move. I said, no, 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 uh-uh. And I bet I wasn't, but fourth, fifth grade. I said, no, it's not optional. You've been drilling this into me forever. The moving truck can sit for an hour. We're, you know, we got to go to church. We've got to work out our salvation. And we grow slack on one, we grow slack the next Sunday. It's just so easy. So, you know these things. I'm not putting some condemnation on you. I'm just trying to tell you how to work it out. You've you got to put the people of God in. You've got to put the worship of God in. You've got to put the word of God in your being in order to work it out in obedience to Christ for the glory of the Father. So whether someone's with you or absent, let's work it out. Number two, um, he explains it by the words he chooses. Work out your own salvation. He didn't say work to get your salvation. He didn't say work 
towards your salvation. He didn't say work for your salvation. Salvation is not a work. Salvation is a gift. You remember Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you are saved through faith. It's not of works. Not something you do. But it's a gift of God. And he makes us his workmanship. So it doesn't tell us to work to get it, for it, to gain it, to obtain it. Work it out. You've already been granted it. It's a gift. It's received. Now that you have it, now that it's in you through the means of the word and God's spirit, then, then work it back out. Maybe another way to express that is through three tenses. What I mean by tense is past, present, future. Okay? So, past tense. I have been saved. Present tense. I am being saved. Future tense. I will be saved. Now, this is simplistic, but I, I think we could use these words. Past tense, justification. I have been declared righteous. The penalty of sin is off the table. I have been saved. I've been justified. I've been declared that my account is full of the righteousness of Christ. Past tense. So that as a result, I am no longer under the wrath of God or the penalty for sin. Present tense. Sanctification. I am being saved from the power of sin. Sin doesn't have dominion over me. It's not swaying me right or left. I'm being saved from that temptation to constantly do what is contrary to Christ. Sanctification. I'm being cleansed. Now, sanctification in Scripture has two parts, and I'm speaking primarily about the second part. The first part is past tense. I have been saved, in one sense sanctified, meaning I have been set apart from sin to righteousness. I have been once and for all transferred from darkness to light, from the kingdom of, of Satan to the kingdom of Christ. But now in that kingdom of Christ, I am being saved. That once and for all action of transferring me into this realm of holiness, now I'm swimming in that pool all the time, becoming more and more and more like Christ. So I've been saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved. Future glorification. I will be like Him. Wow. Freed from the presence of sin. No longer having sin in me in any measure. Holy, 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 like He is holy. That's what God's working out. Us having been saved, being saved, will be saved. That's good news. That's glorious. The work is not finished. There's more and more to come. But that's what he's talking about, us working out our salvation. Let me give you a verse. We see all three tenses in that verse. 
past, present, and future. Look at Titus chapter 2. It's just a glorious little passage of Scripture. Titus 2, verses 11 through 14. Let me read it to you. And you look at it as we go through it. Titus 2, 11 through 14. The grace of God has appeared. Past tense. Bringing salvation for all people. Training, now we move to present tense, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Present tense. We've been saved. We're being saved every day. Verse 13 begins future tense. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our God, great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. So every spot and blemish of lawlessness, sin is gone. And to purify us for himself, a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Isn't that great news? That's salvation being worked out. Past, present and future. You know, uh, a lot of us may have on the door going into our house or on some wall once you get in the house that famous phrase from Joshua, as for me and my house, we will do what? Serve the Lord. It's very popular. So the question is, are you doing that? You know, that's working it out. As for me and my house, when it comes down to it, what goes on here in this home, we will do it in obedience to Christ. We will work out our salvation. We're not going to just do it our way. As for me and my house, we're going to do it the Lord's way. Um, Is there sufficient evidence that your house is working out salvation? Are you, somebody wants to walk in your house. So, well, these people obviously work out their salvation. Look at how, they could have been in an argument there. Look how they worked that out. And they, they ended that with harmony. Look how they got up and served one another and they were so helpful. Look how they seemed to understand different gifts. And how they used those gifts humbly in this home. See, that's working out our salvation. That's as for me and my house. We're going to do it like Christ. We're going to live for Him and Him alone. How we talk, how we forgive, how we deal with conflict, how we work. Um, he goes on uh, with the instruction with this phrase with fear and Trembling. So work out your salvation, much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I think trembling here is more of an adjective that just brings intensity to the word fear. Um, we need to work out our salvation. Fear, you know, means not wanting to, to, to mess up. And, and having intensity about it, wanting not just to not mess up, but wanting to respect 
and revere someone else. And of course, that someone else is God. It's Christ. It's His church. It's His body. It could be even those that we're seeking to witness to and honor and respect. But work it out. It matters to other people, beginning with God. So do it with intensity of respect for those that are in the room, those that are in heavenly places. Give you an example. I thought of several, but I'm I'm just going to refer to one. Uh, look at Genesis 39. If I turn to Genesis 39, some of you should say, "Oh, he's going to talk about Joseph," because the whole last parts of Genesis is all about Joseph. Well, here's a story about Joseph that's really intense. And Joseph, uh, excuse me, Genesis 39. Um, just I can give it to you out of just verse nine. Joseph is head of Potiphar's house. And he says this. He is not greater, speaking of Potiphar or anybody else, he's not greater in this house than, than I am. Uh, so he's the greatest next to Potiphar, excuse me. He's not greater in this house than I am. Nor has he kept back anything from me except you. Because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So here's a time where Joseph's got to work out his salvation. Potiphar's wife is attracted to him. He's got all kind of power, all kinds of servants. servants. He's a hunk, and he's always home. And she wants him to come to bed with her. And Potiphar says, you're right, I'm the greatest man around here. Except for your husband, of course. He's not home very much. So I'm greatest. And I could do anything I want. But how could I act the way you're asking me to act? See, here's the respect, the fear and the trembling. He says, I, I fear the order. I fear the structure. I fear... The design God has put on us more than that. Because of my respect for God and His order and His design. And one of the things He ordered, which is just implied in the text, is He's ordered sex to be between a husband and a wife. And the wife has authority over the husband. The husband has authority over the wife. But that's where the authority lies. And he brings that up. For me to have sex with you, I would need to go to your husband first and ask permission. How much adultery would we have if that happened? We go to the spouse first and say, you know, they're under your authority, so... I want to have sex with them, but I, I need your permission. See, we're not living with fear and trembling if we don't respect that order and that structure that God has given us. Joseph had it, and because he had it, he worked it out and did not sin. I think that's what it's talking about. How do you live 
with fear and trembling. You're saying, God has designed certain things. I would never think about doing it another way. Because it's not going to work out. It's just not. And understanding God, His authority, His structure, His design enables us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Are we living like that with that kind of respect for God's word, God's way, God's life here on God's earth? Well, that's the instruction that he wants us to have. And then he gives us some incentive to do better, to do more in his absence as well as in his presence. Um, Notice the incentive, verse 13. For it is God, so because, this is the incentive, because it's God who, who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Nothing amazes me hardly more than that God rends the heavens and comes down. He doesn't have to do that. And he comes down to be in me. And he comes down to be in you. And he comes down not only to be in us, to be with us, but to work in and through us. And it always pleases him for his pleasure. So we know we end up living. It's not maybe it's going to happen. No, we're going to end up living in a way that pleases him. Um, just amazing. I mean, if you've ever tried to teach your, your little one to swim, doesn't really matter the age, but you're trying to teach them to swim. They're old enough to kind of know. You got the little swimmy things on them, their floaties, so that they're not going to drown. And you get them beside a pool or a lake, or you get them on the boat, the dock, or whatever. And you say, jump in, just jump in, just jump in. They don't jump. Oh, Come on, jump in. You try to shame them. You sissy, you know, your brother did it, your sister did it, whatever. Just jump in. You know they're not going to drown. They got the floaties on. But they don't jump in. The quickest way to get them in is what? The parent stands in the water and holds out their hands and says, jump to dad. Jump to mom. And the kid jumps. Why? Because we are in the pool with them. We are in them. We are with them. For the pleasure of that experience. And that's the way our God is. He came to be in us. And with us. He came to earth to be harmonious. With those that were oppressively against. He came to earth to humbly do the work of the Father. He came to earth to help sinners who could not help themselves. That's the incentive. I don't know that it gets better than that. That I never wake up alone. I never perform a task of obedience to Christ alone. He is at work in me and through me for his good pleasure. 
We don't have a God who's absent. We might have a preacher who's absent, but not a God who is absent. He is at work. You know, Jesus said, a branch, you and me, cannot bear fruit apart from the vine, him. He's asking us to bear fruit, and he's reminding us that's going to happen because you abide in me. It's going to work out because you're connected to me. But he's saying it the other way, because I am in you. The vine is flowing into the branch because I am in you and working to bring my life into you. You're going to bear fruit. You're going to blossom. Know that when I tell you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, I am in and with you for that. And it will work out. And it will be pleasing. And it will be good. Perhaps you're a non-Christian in this room and you've been really, you might even think you're a Christian. But here's how you know. You've been working to clean up your life. You've been working just to do better. You've been working to get something right and fixed and more corrected and make you more respectful. But see, that's not working out your salvation. That's just you trying to clean up. That's you just rearranging the mess. You're trying to order your own sin instead of being freed from it past. Being freed from it present and being freed from it future. This is not a text about, hey, just get your act together. No, this is, this is an encouragement to those who have their act together. Because Christ is in you. And you've received the instruction of harmony and humility and helpfulness. And you're hungry to live it out. And it's about God's pleasure, which is why you live. Non-Christian, it's about your pleasure, not God's. If that's the category you're in, just notice that. There's lots of people preaching a false gospel that you need to do life yourself and fix it and clean up your act. That's a false gospel. That's not good news. Because you're going to fail at that ultimately over and over. You fail it. You, you'd never clean up the past. If you got a, you know, I don't care who's keeping the report card, but if you've got an F on your report card, you don't go back and clean that up. Only Jesus washes away those sins. And you got present struggles, you don't succeed at that every day because in the flesh we're weak and we can't keep it up. And in the future, standing before God without spot and blemish, who has hope of that? Unless there's Christ who covers us with his righteousness. So, non-believer, you can't work it out. You will not succeed. You're going to fail. Your only hope is to trust Christ, that he becomes yours. He is in you to give you his righteousness Erase the past of sin. Work in the present and promise the future glory of no sin at all.
fully conformed to his image. I encourage you, if you need Christ, you just beg him, beg him for mercy. God, I need you. I need a Lord. I need a Savior to work it out. Christ will come to those who receive him. He says, I give you the power to be children of God. John 1, 12. I give you the power. You can now fight sin. You can now live like Christ because I give you the power just through receiving Christ. Let's not play with sin. Let's not keep stepping in it. Let's work out our salvation with fear and trembling. You know, one of the illustrations I've thought, it's been overused, maybe you haven't heard it, but it's the illustration. If you go to, say, like a, a concert uh, and there's a piano up on stage and part of the concert is going to be some maestro at the piano. And you're waiting. It's kind of getting late. Why is this concert not happening? And some kid walks up here and starts, you know, playing chopsticks or something. And you're thinking, good grief, i got to listen to this junk. And the maestro steps out from behind, comes up beside the kid. You've heard the illustration. Kind of, he just whispers in his ear something, and he starts playing around him. And chopsticks start sounding beautiful. You know, it just gets better and better. Because this maestro is adding to the kid's work. And the the maestro only says one thing to the kid. Don't stop. Don't stop playing. I'm going to make it beautiful. Just don't stop playing. Because then it's just me. And God is like that. He says, "I, I put Christ in you. Now just don't stop living for Jesus because I am going to be in you and around you and with you and through you and it's just going to get glorious. Just don't stop. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word and your truth. Thank you for how it inspires and encourages and motivates May we see Jesus and no other. May it be more of him and less and less of us. That the world may come to know him and receive him and glorify him through us. Father, for those who need to turn from the false gospel to the truth, let them receive you now and have power from on high. We ask In Jesus' name and for his sake. All these things. Amen.